The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome to Dugout Study Hall, a remedial course in baseball stats and proud member of the Pitcher List Podcast Network. I'm your host and expert layman, Matt Goodwin, and I am joined, as always, by your fake baseball economist, Alexander Chase. With us for this episode is Chris from Baseball Pods to talk a little bit about the 2021 baseball season, steamer projections for next year, some players, some draft strategy, the potential lockout, and so much more. Lots going on in this one, but before we get to all of that, Chris, how you doing? Great. Thanks for having me, guys. It's, uh, it's an honor to have you on. I know that you listen to a lot of, of baseball content, so we're, we're really jazzed to have you. Alexander, how are you doing? You know, it is it is a great Monday for me. I'm so happy to hear my, be here myself, too. Oh, good. I'm glad. What what is in particular is making it such a good Monday for you? <laughs> You're like shocked to me, hear me happy or something like that? <laughs> no, I just know so, there's probably um... a story and I'm excited to hear it. <laughs> No, no, I, I got back from a wedding this weekend and I have had like very little sleep and I'm in like that sort of like good no sleep delirious stage mm. right now. It is. It's not going to last. Great for about the next 90 minutes. Yeah. Oh, no, absolutely <laughs> not. <laughs> Um, all right. So, uh, we are, we're really lucky to have, uh, Chris from, uh, baseball pods, uh, Twitter account at baseball pods with us tonight. Um, I'm going to start off Chris by just asking you like, what's your connection to baseball? What's the, the backstory? How did the, the Twitter account come to be? And, uh, tell us, tell us a little bit of history. Well, um, I've, I will try not to be very boring. Um, <laughs> so, uh, it won't be too long. But um, I've loved baseball since I was a kid. Everything about it, collecting cards, collecting stickers before cards, playing baseball, playing in the backyard, um, watching it. Uh, so it just it's, it's always felt magical to me um, and like something that is, uh, I don't know, just surreal. And um, I, uh, I've read baseball books, made baseball art, everything when I was a kid. And um you know, so growing up in, in high school, I started playing fantasy baseball and I'm, I'm in my mid forties. So that was kind of around when the rotisserie books were really first being put out. Mm-hmm. And so I grew up that way and did a lot of writing eventually for Laura Michaels at creative sports when he ran that website. And I was doing some of his daily work. In fact, my wife was like, she's a copy editor and she edited a lot that website many days. And, mm-hmm. um, and then, uh, you know, my career got in, got in the way of my fantasy baseball analysis for a while. Um, and, uh, but I always played and, and I had, I wrote for Rotowire national magazine. I wrote for a number of other places, but I just, uh, I, I even had a couple articles on baseball prospectus, mm. but when then, uh, I 
like I said, my career kind of took over, family life took over. And sure. uh, a couple of years ago, I just got, um, and I've always followed baseball podcasts and I love them. And a, and a couple of years ago, my situation changed where I was able to spend more time, uh, luckily, on fantasy baseball in the offseason. And um, I got into all these independent podcasts and realized that it wasn't just the big guy, the big guys that had these great podcasts, but mm-hmm. a lot of independent pods. And it just felt like uh, I didn't know that. And a lot of I knew a lot of other people who all bet. I was like, I bet you guys don't know these. These guys are great. So. I just kind of started a Twitter account on a, on a lark and it caught fire. And, uh, <laughs> but I had the baseball pods, uh, tournament, which is supposed to be promoting independent podcasts and has now turned into a, a source of, um, of some, uh, controversy in our corner of the, yeah. of the Twitter. Well, that Twitter uh, is perfect for that kind of thing, right? Well, you know, you can't, you know, I just, I just tonight posted, uh, there's a, you know, Carlos Correa in is, part of a very long interview where he praises Derek Jeter said he didn't deserve any of his five golden glove awards. Yeah. <laughs> and my point is Twitter has been yelling this from the rooftops for about the last, since it was invented, Carlos Correa says something modest. And now it's saying, how could you? Yeah. How right. Right. <laughs> so it is, it's, it's built for that. It's built for that, but it's fun. And, and I'll be honest with you, in spite of some of the, you know, shenanigans that are the internet trolls have had with the tournament, you know, we've had over a hundred thousand legitimate votes in it. We can say, and it, more importantly, it has really put the shine on a number of independent or up-and-coming podcasts and given them new listeners. And that's what it, yeah. the, the whole account was really about. And then, you know, Justin Mason said I couldn't be in TGFBI if I didn't have a a website. So I started a website <laughs> called baseball-pods.com, and I'm the only one writing there. And it's not super frequent, but I do have a a dynasty list that I've been I'm, I'm in the process of updating and. Uh, I'll do uh, periodic articles um, that some very uh, people I look up to have said some very nice things about. So I'll take that as the praise that it is. And, and yeah. that's, that's, that's my, so that's my, my, uh, my origin story, if you will. Yeah. Alexander. Now I, I, I know you're truly a hero to people like me, you know, guys with fantasy baseball podcasts, truly one of the most helpless <laughs> and, you know, desperate groups of people who just really need every bit that we can get uh so just a big thank you for that uh but you know it's it's really fun actually to kind of like see how many people there are like in this world that like i probably wouldn't have been following and interacting with if it weren't for uh that original project you took on so thank you for that um and you know it's also just fun to know how many people have been probably a part of like the sitting down spending countless hours in an off season or two going after this stuff and then just found something else that they had to do more you know it, it's great to just think that there's so many people who have just done this for fun and can probably return to it at some other other future date because uh you know it, there are definitely times where i'm like i don't have time yeah. or i have time and i'm going to spend it elsewhere so it's it's good to know that it, it sticks yeah. I think as probably one of the younger people in this community. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think that's just the way the, the, I mean, the, the world works, right. I mean, unless you're uh, one of a very small group of people that can uh, earn an income off of this, it's a passion project. And that's one of the reasons I started the account was to shine a light on people that are who, who, you know, they're, they're doing it as best they can as often as they can. And they're doing great work. And um, you know, I, I, the, the story that I tell that I think, and I know we have a lot of work to do to make this a more inclusive space. And yeah. some work has been done to start that. And we have a long way to go. Yep. But like one of the things that I just thought was wonderful in the first podcast tournament was when um, Jeff Erickson had um, had on uh, the You Down With OBP podcast, which yeah. was 
two guys that then but they like they were serious about their work like they yeah. they weren't like just they were like they put work into it they did research and they were college friends that had kind of stuck together and uh and and used it as a way to stay together and, and i just thought it was great when he had them on and they talked to each other and it was just like that's the point is to try to promote each other's work in a right. place where there's a limited number of of of, uh, of people that are as passionate about this as we are and there's limited number of hours you have in a, in a week and, and to be able to listen to, there's a lot of content. So, um, you know, being able to, to have people kind of promote each other and, and know like, all right, I like this group. I'll, I'll probably like that, that group as well. The you down with OBP guys were actually early adopters of our pod too. So shout out to them. Uh, we had them on, I think it was the first time we had four people at once. Um, so yeah, no, great guys. Definitely great guys. We'll have to make sure we tag them in, uh, in the show notes here. Um, now I have to ask you this question and you can be as, um, as, uh, uh, pr- private or as public as you want, but I, I noticed that you, you posted over the weekend about a nice return to nature trip. Uh, oh, yeah. t- talk to me a little bit about that. It looked b- beautiful. It looked amazing. Yeah. Well, I mean, I love travel and I do travel for work, but I haven't been doing a lot of traveling for work and certainly not for, um, uh, for, for pleasure recently with, you know, the, the whole global pandemic thing. Sure. So, um, you know, uh, but me and my f- friends from college uh, used to get together every year and we generally have, we haven't for the last couple of years. So we decided to try to go to a place where not only would we um, be able to be together, but also where it would be the opposite of kind of where we've been spending the last year mm-hmm. and a half. Yeah. So like one of our friends um, lives in Colorado and we, uh, we did an amazing trip. I recommend it to anyone. I am the pictures. If you saw them make me look very adventurous, which is not what I am at all. Uh, you know, striking poses in nature, you know, like I'm, a, you know, a, bringing a pack of bush light out of a mountain river with one hand and a, 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 a live salmon with my other hand. <laughs> yeah. um, but we went to, um, that's, one does. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Garden of the gods in, uh, right outside of Denver, uh, which is the, the red rocks. And then we, we accidentally quote unquote lucked into the first snowstorm of the season in that part of Colorado. <laughs> Unbeknownst to us, uh, we got caught in it in a minivan on the way up a very steep mountain. And uh, there were some, uh, some very uh, uh, quiet moments in that car, but um, we made it there. We was great. We got to go to Rocky mountain national park, which is also just beautiful. And there are signs everywhere that say that lions are going to kill you, which is, <laughs> adds a little bit to the excitement for a city a dweller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So beautiful part of the country. Highly recommend anyone uh, wants to go out there to get away. And I did not listen to um, to uh, um, to many baseball podcasts while I was out there. I must confess. So, no, that's quite all right. I was yeah. de- derelict in my duties for the last. Uh, <laughs> Everybody's entitled to a break, especially uh, when they're they're out there in, in nature like that. Um, I have uh, one more question, and then we're going to kind of get into a couple of our normal segments. Um, you, uh, I would think. Uh, by nature of your, your your Twitter account and what you're doing, have probably listened to the widest variety of baseball pods um, that one could possibly listen to. What are the the coolest things, the wackiest things, the fun funnest? That's not really a word, but I'm going to say it anyway. Funnest segments. Alexander likes to rock funnest, so I'm going to adopt it. Um, <laughs> you know, the, kind of the 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 coolest corners of the the baseball pod world. I mean, there's just so much it's, you know, to explore. Like if you just want like a few guys that are really, they're smart guys, but they're not going to overwhelm you with, you know, X will bacon and all that. And they just want to kind of talk about fantasy baseball from an informed fans perspective. 
like the upper deck podcast is, is I think underappreciated in our space. Uh, those guys are, they have a good time with it and don't take themselves seriously. And it's just kind of like, it feels like you're part of a, a room or a club, you know, I think that's, that's, that's one. I mean, the truth of the matter, and I, I love under the radar um, with uh, Nando DeFino uh-huh. and, uh, and, and Derek Van Riper and Ian Kahn. I, I, I mean, I feel like they, uh, they also kind of have fun with it. Nando is just super passionate and, doesn't take himself too seriously. I, I did a tongue-in-cheek um, article you can still find on the website called uh, "It's the Five Tools of Fantasy Baseball Podcast," and it you know, it's tongue-in-cheek because um, it you know I I I I don't think that I'm any kind of expert, but mm-hmm. it does give like different things I think that make a fantasy baseball co- podcast like informative and mm-hmm. entertaining. And I also like where there's. Um, uh, I think that I think that the actual podcast, if you said, what's the most memorable podcast I've ever that I'll remember that I've ever listened to, it was uh, between Paul Spore and Nick Pollock hmm. and um, and, and you know, uh, Justin and Alex. And it was uh, a, it felt very uncomfortable. And I've told them all this individually because <laughs> it was genuine disagreement. But like Spore and Nick are both also like really competitive. You can tell. And so it was like, um, it was like, it was about Jeff Samarja and, and, it, and it was really, it made me like, I literally, and this is how, you know, like people are good at what they do. I was really worried about their relationship. I was like, <laughs> no, 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 these guys are friends, man. Like, Oh, don't fight over Jeff Samarja. He's yeah. not that now you say this, but I think I've had an identical experience with them yelling about Caleb Smith. Um, <laughs> So yeah. I think they're just really good at that. Yeah. And, and, and the thing that was great about it was, even though I'm sure they play it up a little bit, it was respectful, mostly, and <laughs> um, and and healthy debate and disagreement. And to me, that's like what makes a great podcast. Like if everybody just agrees all the time, that's boring, first of all. And more importantly, I don't learn. Like, yeah. like Paul and Nick had very different perspectives on this and they were able to say it and I learned from that process and that's what I love. So that to me is like, but also because you grow to care about these people as mm-hmm. individuals, you know, and you know, they're so accessible on Twitter. You do feel like you have that personal connection to, to a lot of people, yep. even if they have a blue check in front, you know, after their name. And so that's, that, that's kind of the magic of our community. Um, and uh, that, that to me is probably the, the one that I'll remember the most. All right, we have a segment on our pod that we call Number or Numbers of the Week. Uh, in season, we try and focus on some things that are happening, some news related to uh, you know a player or, or whatever. We're in the offseason now, so what I've been asking our guests uh, is to talk about their favorite baseball numbers. So this could be when you're looking at a player and you're trying to understand them, what's your favorite stat, what's your go-to number, um, or it could just be like the, this thing about baseball that's a really cool um, record or uh, you know, this, the, the, the guy that you loved growing up, uh, his batting average in, you know, 1987, uh, what, what, what's your favorite baseball number? Wow. That's, you know, I didn't realize, I didn't interpret the question that day when I was, when I was, there's so many numbers in baseball that I love. Um, (laughs) I will say, I will just say like, in terms of, to try to make this somewhat useful to, uh, to listeners in terms of 2022 and draft preparation, which many of us have already started, the number I'm going to look at is innings pitched. The statistic I should say I'm going to look at is innings pitched. Um, I think that, uh, and this is where I think that there are some workhorses that are going to be 
that are boring and, you know, Toby's, if you will, right, in, in some cases, arguably, where I think their value is higher than it has been and people that have not, the, the market has not quite adjusted to innings pitched in the modern, uh, in the modern day. So uh, I'll just use the, that statistic as a statistic, my favorite statistic so far of this offseason, because it really does separate um, some folks. Absolutely. Alexander, what's, uh, what, what, what numbers are you looking at as you're doing your draft prep? Well, I'll be honest. Um, the amount of draft prep that I did other than just like the mock that I did has been pretty limited because I've been kind of just like hanging out, ready for everything to just go sideways in terms of the off season and stuff like that. Um, but I, uh, I feel like in terms of like innings pitched in that conversation in particular, I have been really interested in all the ways that we were really wrong last off season about like a handful of guys and then right in the aggregate. Um, it's always the thing that ends up screwing with the values of people when you throw them into like auction calculators or whatever the most, it ends up being like the biggest determinative things. And the more that we can do to kind of like make them not be that the better we are. It's a project I've always been kind of interested in, but I also do think like, it really messed with me last year when people were like, you know, I should be caring a whole lot more about like how big a difference there was between say like Corbin Burns ending pitch numbers, which were pretty low for like a Cy Young candidate and Zach Wheeler's, which were, you know, basically top of the league. So, you know, as, as someone who doesn't really remember much beyond the times where like, you know, high or probably low 200 seems like a lot like right now like that's all i really know you know hearing that people just did crazy things like through 300 innings in a season yeah. stuff like that you know it, it doesn't feel real so the whole like hubbub about it being like seemingly a problem now and then i believe people it doesn't click for me in the same way so um when people bring it up i feel like it kind of just reinforces like the, oh yeah i should probably care about this more because a bunch of people are gonna have their arms fall off um and we yeah. should probably care about that <laughs> yeah um well innings pitch has definitely been one of those things that's changed over time so chris when you're looking at that what is it that you're looking to stand out like how is it helping you make decisions about is it ranking is it um you know kind of who you believe in more what where does that kind of fit into your your paradigm well it's just design and this is all of course dependent on your format one of the things sure. i have my goals this this season and trying to just get better at, at this game, which is like a lifelong puzzle, which is what <laughs> makes it so tantalizing is to kind of limit my formats, um, getting away from daily leagues um, and getting, and also moving towards, I'll still do some various leagues that are in home leagues, but in terms of like competitive leagues, I'm sticking to 15 teamers. I personally have a really hard time the difference between 12 and 15 is I know some people get it. My mind has a really hard time calculating it appropriately. And when I'm thinking about fab, especially, I just like, I don't want to have to like consider the wide range of players that's available in an average 12 team league in fab. So for me in that 15 team format, I'm just really uh, right now I've done, I'm going to uh, Drew Morris and I from common sense uh, fantasy baseball podcast. We're, partnering in, in a number of leagues this offseason he's a great guy we just kind of get along so we were like hey let's just do some stuff together help learn from each other uh, and increase our knowledge um and you know we're doing a couple of draft champions together and we're just i'm looking at i like jose burrios a guy we might talk about a little bit later i just think has a really high floor with those innings pitched and so i can count on that 
not elite, but good ERA and whip in a different way than someone who is, um, you know, going to probably throw 140 innings. Um, and so I just, I think that that's, that's, it's a big d- differentiator at the top, I would say within, but for when I say the top, I mean, for my first, like three or four starters. Yeah, that makes sense. Alexander. Oh, no, I, so actually one of the, to get semi-technical here, <laughs> I think any pitch differences are like some of the more difficult things that I've had to like deal with. So like I've had this earlier ongoing project where I'm trying to fix some of the small problems with the fan graphs auction calculator and you know because that's a fun project to do um and innings pitch differences for pitchers whenever you're figuring out like what you want the replacement level to be has been like an ongoing battle i've had i've been trying to do this thing where you like instead of it being like the wafer wire guy i was trying to find value over replacement streamer pick by nick pollock um (laughs) And like, it's not that hard mathematically to do. It's just like the choices that you have to make just always feel uncomfortable. And um, it's like, do I assume that I'm going to get all of the innings pitched I want? Or do I not do that? Like the figuring that out and figuring out like how many I think I can reasonably fill in is always just like a, it it really is subjective. So like in the process, you realize like all these dudes that I love are going to pitch 140 innings next year. And like, it's like how much Freddie Peralta can I actually like get? (laughs) It's like, there's not going to be that many Freddie Peralta innings, but that itself is kind of like also a nice reminder that like, you want to go watch a guy pitch that you love, go do it. Like there's a chance he gets hurt. There's a chance he doesn't pitch all that many innings in, period and they might rest him and save him for the playoffs so you know if, if you're in town somewhere and there's an upcoming i don't know like corbin burn start you want to catch if there's an upcoming brewers bullpen game <laughs> you want to catch i'm half joking probably less than <laughs> half you know go do it um and it's been really nice to, like living here in dc with baltimore not far away you end up with a good swath of teams that come through and a lot of options so you know, we do this for fun and there's a whole lot of fun to be had if you just like want to. So yeah, I think that's, that's kind of like the other part of this is I've been trying to make sure I kind of like watch as I go through the guys I'm like projecting or analyzing, like who would I want to go see next year? Yeah. Cause you know, you need to do that. Definitely. Um, Chris, I want to ask you one more thing and then we're going to go into a, a break and we'll come back on the other side and talk a little bit about some steamer projections for next year. But uh, let's reflect a little bit on the 2021 season. What are some of the things that stood out to you? It could be either like uh, numbers wise, or it could just be uh, some some storyline that you thought was really fascinating. What are some of the things that that really stand out to you from uh, 2021? Well, I just I think you know uh, 2021 was very challenging just because of the uniqueness of 2020. Right. And I think that's going to be the case uh, to a lesser extent next year. And then to a lesser, lesser extent, the year out of, after that uh, to like, so a couple of interesting things. I mean, I, I think that um, prospects to me really struggled. Um, and I don't know if we'll have corrected for that um, going into 2022. And I, I think there are a lot. You of, are up. Did you guys hear that I'm now on deck? Yeah, uh, <laughs> that's that we're drafting. That's okay. I, I, for a second there, I thought somebody was ringing my my, my doorbell. The uh, the NFBC um, announcer is uh, very seductive. Yeah, um, <laughs> his dulcet tones. Um, I guess make you want to uh, come back and draft some more. 
I don't, I don't know. It's that or like the aggressive Fantrax horn. I mean, yeah, I that one is should, aggressive. I feel like we should be able to get better on both sides. <laughs> Find a happy medium between those two. <laughs> Zach Morris and I are up at pick 580 and breaking news. I think we're going to draft Justin Dunn. So uh, for that's that's why that was a uh, very exciting. Perfect. That's, um, that's ideal. Yeah. So Grayson Rodriguez just went before us and that's a great segue back to our podcast. Sorry for the interruption. That's no problem. Which is that, which is that, you know, I don't know, I'm having a hard time figuring out how to value rookies more than I normally do as a result of 2021. The other thing I think just, and then maybe these are anomalies or not, but I just, a lot of old guys had really good seasons like Adam Wainwright and, you know, Buster Posey and Marcus Stroman took the year off. And, uh, you know, Buster decided to retire, assuming because he didn't get a, a contract negotiation of his liking. But, you know, Stroman's a guy I'm targeting this year. I think he's he's, he's great, period. I, I'm a big fan of his. But I, I was it was just really interesting to see some people that didn't play a lot and then some other old guys uh, did better than we thought that they were. And I think we should I'm, I'm going to be playing. It's going to make me pay close attention to. How, I think everyone's going to be watching how Justin Verlander does this spring, but I'm going to be paying close attention to Robinson Cano because what he did in 2019 was elite with a capital E and he was old then too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um, to steal something from uh, actually the baseball barbecue, uh, Cespedes family barbecue um, guys, they had a bit of a conspiracy theory on a recent pod that I thought was like, a little bit too good to not talk about kind of like everywhere I've been, which is that, you know, guys who've been caught doing steroids seem like they're still benefiting from their steroids. And you got to wonder, it's like, it's Robinson Cano just going to come that back next year, just ready to just shred 29 out of 30 teams, maybe 30 of 30, depending on how much go. But <laughs> it's, it's interesting. Yeah. I, I want to just follow up quickly. Do you, do you feel that like, in this past season, one of the reasons that maybe the the rookies struggled is that they didn't have a full season the year before. Are we putting too much weight on the idea that maybe 2022 we're going to see the same thing and and vice versa, uh, or not even vice versa because it's not the opposite. It's the same with with these older players that they played an abbreviated season and were able to kind of come out and play really well this year. Are they, are there any concerns from the really young guys and the really the really old guys that that short season really messed with them on the lower end? and really kind of gave them an opportunity to, to rest on, on the older side. I think with the rookies, they just had such a crazy, they didn't have a season, right? It's probably the first year of their lives. Some of those guys didn't play baseball since they were like eight, right? You know, just think (laughs) about that. So it's like, it's, it must like, I mean, so I just, I'm imagining that that was, it was just a hot mess for many, for, for many of them. And I'm, I, I, I do, I, I think I will not be going in, for any, I'm not, I'm not the guy taking Bobby Witt in the third mm-hmm. round this year, like some people are and okay, God bless you. But <laughs> I do think I will still take some target, some mid to later round guys that I, that I believe in that seemed like they have the polish. I'm not looking for people to make a jump but people who have made steady steps and had a solid 2020. And then for the older guys, I think that's on a case by case basis for me, it's all dependent on, on where, um, where where people's ADP ends up like in the early draft Zach Greinke is going extraordinarily late I his year was not as bad as people remember and I just think he's one of the smartest and craftiest pitchers of all time and if he wants to pitch which he said he will I predict he'll pitch again and he'll pitch and he'll be an above average starter 
he's going very, very late in these early, early draft champions. So he'll be a guy if his if his ADP stays at that range, I'm sure I'll have a lot of them on my rosters. You know, you say about those guys who like missed last year, that probably is gonna mean there's gonna be some guys who are like in that sophomore range who get back on track after not having played a whole lot of baseball and have a great near year near year next year. Wow. Easy for oh, you to those say are some words. Yeah. <laughs> yes, very literally. So I'm I'm fascinated to see how that bears out this offseason, how many people, you know, try to do some like seventeen dimensional chess about Andrew Vaughn. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Or or just some checkers about Andrew Vaughn and draft him high like I <laughs> All right, well, we want to get into some steamer projections, uh, but before we can, we're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back. Hey, Alex Fast here, and thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PL Plus subscription, where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord, where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff, plus you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at PitcherList.com backslash plus, and you're going to get your first month free with promo code podcast also don't forget to check out everything else we do as well from youtube videos live streams newsletters off-season articles tiktoks breakdowns over 15 baseball podcasts on our network we can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season so sign up for pl plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free all right thanks for listening let's get back to the show and we are back. So uh, the essential question that we have for today, or our central question, is to really talk about those steamer projections, looking forward to 2022 with some numbers, so something we can quantify. Uh, you know, we kind of have our feelings, and, and maybe we uh, we have our, our guys from 2021. We have our thoughts and our feelings and our emotions about how it all went. Uh, but steamer gives us something to, to kind of hold on to. And in some cases, maybe it's uh, it's a little high. Sometimes it's a little low. So that's kind of the conversation that we want to start to have now. So, um, you know, what are your initial thoughts, Chris, on on these steamer projections and some of the things that you've noticed and seen? Well, with the caveat that I listened to your guys' pod to hear the answer to this question normally if I wasn't on it. <laughs> um, so I'll be much more interested in your answers than mine. But the, my general um, general feelings are their playing time is way too generous, um, and sometimes it's wonky and off. Um, so I think that that's the thing, especially the early steamer that comes out, you know, God bless them for, for doing it. Right. Yeah, but, of course. but, uh, and for when we have it, but I just, I think if you're going in looking at those auction dollar values, like based off of steamer today, you're going to, you're going to be in a world of hurt. And then where I feel very confident, um, in the most confident, I should say is with any of the ratios, I feel like, um, you know, all the, the, batting average OBP slugging on the offensive side and the, you know, the, the, the canine as uh, a K percentage walk percentage and ERA and ERA is a tough one, but whip for sure. Those are the places where I'm really looking right now for steamer. And then to a lesser extent, like kind of the home run rate. So I think, you know, that their playing time may be off, but uh, that I, I may disagree with, but I'm, I'm probably going to agree with like the home run rate to give you an example. So. So one of the things we did to kind of set up today is I sent everyone in our like page 
uh, you know, where we set up our dock for the day, um, a link to the exact setup for um, the Fangraphs auction calculator. And a really essential thing to do to kind of keep your head straight in this is to click the experimental button. Are you guys familiar with the experimental button? I am, but only because of you, Alexander. Of course, of course. Um, so yeah, um, yeah. So like the the big project I did previously, I talked about this with Nick. I talk about this all the time. Is trying to like make my own uh, FanGraphs auction calculator because I wanted to be able to include like one or two more settings. I had a league with a required DH spot, <laughs> so I wanted to be able to click a required DH position. Just incredibly petty of me. Um, and it's actually really interesting, like how all of this without clicking that button, which basically what it does is it. Uh, substitutes out just like season long um dollar values for like something more akin to like daily dollar values but adjusted for games started is the way that i do it and they do actually do it pretty similarly for their experimental thing if you trust places like steamer for what they are first and mostly right about the rates you can actually game the big problems they have just by like clicking the one button and it's crazy that's not their default it's understandable that's not their default but that's like a whole separate thing overall though like there are some people that i am very interested in they have some very rosy projections for some young people and some very did not regress to the mean projections for some guys who balled out in about approximately 2019 they're still a little bit high for my tastes but you have to respect what they do which is put out a very reliably first product and a very accurate product on the rates you're right um we'll talk about the guys i have quibbles with but it is so fun that like the second the 2021 season is over we can already start thinking about what it is it's worth being excited about next year even if like you got to take a lot of the other bits with a bit of grain of salt yeah the you know i listened to a podcast a while ago with brad johnson um who i think helped design or did design the auction calculator um he's been working with it i think yeah Yeah. sounds right and the 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 thing that i um where i always struggle a little bit is uh with their the position dollars that they add in terms of like those weights but what i've noticed is those weights feel like they're getting closer and closer together which i think is a reflection of the fact that outside of catcher um you really shouldn't be doing um uh, too much of that positional inflation. Um, cause as we've seen in, in baseball, I mean, third base, I would argue is the second quote unquote, most shallow position this coming into 2022, but it's, it's, it's marginal to be honest. Yeah, we'll, we'll get there. And it's, it, there's a big difference. I think we'll talk about this all off season about like some people would be like, you gotta pay up early for one of the elite guys. Cause it's so thin at the bottom versus like, you know, the bottom actually being at the same spot for all these positions, so it doesn't matter that much. It's like two very different schools of thought that actually aren't disagreeing with each other. They're just kind of like approaching the problem differently. So it's like the last third base eligible player who will start a near 12 or 15 team league, whatever, is probably about as, you know, bad and or just not playing, honestly, as like the, the last second baseman or even maybe like the last outfielder, depending. Yeah. Now... Yeah, and basically what that means then is like you're swapping out. You know, I'm, I'm gonna go grab for this. We I pulled like the Yahoo standard ish sort of league, so I guess I probably should pull who that is and my Wi-Fi will work. But you know, <laughs> in past years, you know, you imagine someone who's like, um, no, let's see for this one. It looks like uh, Chris Bryant. Chris Bryant is the guy that's coming in as a one dollar guy. That is really funny. Uh, you know, you can you can imagine like a Luis Arias or someone like that who might be like, uh, um 
Luis Urias. Well, both of those guys at third base. Um, yeah, it might, might be like the guys who are like kind of marginal. Um, and, you know, that's going to be like the same quality of guy across a lot of different positions. It's not going to matter that much. But the strategy you choose to employ as a result of it, you know, is uh, can be really different for a lot of people. And so I imagine someone from your perspective, you know, hearing lots of different takes, different, you know, um, ways of trying to not lose, probably going to hear some different strategies. And I'm always interested in how that, pairs, that bears out. So. Yeah, no, I, th- I think, um, well, I think, you know, the great thing is that, you know, that's, I mean, Unless unless uh, Phil Dusso has finally cracked the code, um, you know there is, and he might, you know, if anyone has, <laughs> that sure looked pretty close to it last year. Well, that, he's gonna he's gonna be one of the most interesting things for me about baseball in 2022 is watching him. To be honest, I've never seen anything like it. But um, you know, everyone's still trying to get better and trying to figure this out. It's such a complex game, and it's built on human beings and decisions and uh, things that are well beyond our control. So you you know as much as we love and I think should rely on projections. Uh, it's the, it, that's, you know, that's the science of this. It's the art of it that, you know, brings, brings me joy personally and like mm-hmm. watching people try to try different strategies. And, you know, I don't think that there's, there's certainly not one right way to win. So um, I think it's, I think it's, you know, different. I think there's a million different paths or probably more accurately an infinite different paths to victory and uh in a game as complicated as ours and that's what brings us all to the table and has us listen to podcasts yeah absolutely yeah i remember having a twitter conversation uh about a month or so ago i think actually brad johnson might have been in on that a couple other guys about like where you actually make the differences and it, it's definitely not in projecting people just five percent more accurately or honestly one percent more accurately um you know adjusting for playing time probably helps a little bit more uh but you know it's got to be a lot of those more like thinking about why your projections are going to fail why they're going to succeed and like it, it's not like just choosing to not use steamer in some small way so we're kind of sitting here i think in large part you know like it's getting us to start thinking about the problems we're going to have rather than like being the first attempt at a solution. Um, and that said, there are a whole lot of things that are problematic in the funnest way about these early. There's funnest again. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Pulled it out again and again and again, <laughs> forever, please. <laughs> Me, um, a descriptive grammarian, not a prescriptivist. Uh, so, you know, I'm kind of curious as we get in here, it's like, uh, you know, what, things were you fastest to go look up like what, what was the first thing you wanted to know i guess both of y'all actually you wanted to know like about when these projections drop like what's the first thing you're curious to go look for i'll let you go first matt i've already talked too much oh there's no way you're you're the guest this is a this is a place to showcase you know um i have not really started a lot of, of prep and um i kind of clicked and, and perused but i really didn't dig too deeply into this so i would love to have a really smart answer but i don't so uh, I'm going to then throw it back over to you, Chris. What are the things that you wanted to to, to check and see uh, when, when these came out? See, that's how you know I'm a veteran podcast listener. <laughs> I like, set myself up for success there. There you right? go. No, I'm joking. Um, well, I love – so the first thing I do when I so go to – first thing I – you guys will be happy to hear I go to pitchers first. Um, and, um, and there are a few, like, uh, examples of, like, I guess little cheats for, like, looking for outliers that I, I look at first and, like – one of the first ones is um, like a strand rate left on base rate, like to see if there's, you know, who's outlying on both sides. You look at the, t- every year you look at the top, it's going to be a lot of the best pitchers in the bottom. It's going to be some of the most unlucky and some bad ones. 
but like that's so that's like one then i look at like home run to fly ball rate to see if there's significant variance between uh pitchers um you know uh, average home run fly ball by whether they spiked whether they got really lucky and then BABIP, and I kind of look at those three together is in, you know, not saying just BABIP as a raw number, but BABIP relative to the pitching pitcher's history. So for me, I look at those three things together as kind of like, okay, eliminate some of the noise maybe. And then I always look at um, strikeout percent minus walk percent is probably like those, those are my go-tos. In, in, uh, in uh, I would say hitters are not nearly as interesting as pitchers. Um and I'm not just saying that to, uh, to you know, to to kiss up to, to, the, to the network, you know. Um, but um, I'm pro hitter yeah, over yeah, we, here. Don't we, kid we yourself. Let's <laughs> talk about hitters too. I, I, like I like I like hitters more too because I can predict them. But pitchers are more are more are, are feel like are more fascinating um, creatures. But with hitters, I just like looking at, um, uh, at if I can look at uh, plate appearances uh, because I think that's actually that's where I start. Because um, I think that, and then if you can line that up and you feel like that's going to be the best case next year, it's one of the, I just feel like runs and RBIs because they're, we know that they're, they're not necessarily as reflective of a skill as some of the other things we degrade them a little bit and it hits you and runs less because with home uh, RBIs and home runs, I've, I've, I don't know, it feels like they have a greater correlation. than, than mm-hmm. So, but I just think that that's a stat, like I often forget, like, you know, it's it's do in in the modern game with the NFBC, we've gotten back to it, but there was a period of time where that was not looked at enough. And then in fantasy, um, I'm not going to remember the gentleman's name, um, and I should, but uh, he was he went on to work for a major league baseball team, and he would win all these expert leagues in the early to mid two thousands just by racking up plate appearances, and. Um, and uh, and I'll, I'll hopefully I'll remember by the end of the show, and uh, that and you know I thought that was really brilliant, and that became like a market inefficiency that he took advantage of, and I think that it kind of went away for a while, and now when you can do lineups twice a week, mm. at FBC on Mondays and Fridays, that is another market inefficiency that separates like the best players in the NFBC that have that biweekly uh, lineup, at least for bats they can change it yeah. from people like that are just not paying attention to that. Sure. Which I think is the folks. Well, that was definitely Sorry. a much better answer than me going off on some rant <laughs> about WRC plus and, and checking to see who is going to stack up there. Uh, Alexander, what are, what are the questions that you had going in? I wanted to know who they projected to steal the most bases. I, I always look for the, <laughs> uh. the stuff first. No, like I, 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 so like if you're an irresponsible person like me who thinks you know things, the most fun thing you can do is go look at all of like the weird stuff because like I don't want to pretend I know who's gonna like get hit by the most pitches next year. <laughs> by the way, Ty France projected for the most HBP next year. I am excited to see how that bears out. Um, but you know, it's things like that. I want to know who they're gonna project to like get caught stealing the most. I want to know who they project for like you know, like the most negative defensive war. (laughs) The fun stuff about this is like, you go and like compare that against other things. It's like, you imagine these fun seasons, but you know, more realistically, the the things I actually care to like check out then is like, I want to basically just take all the dudes, sort them by dollar values and find the guys that I'm ready to be most mildly angry about. Like there's no way I'm going to draft that guy. That's like around the most mildly angry about that's, that's quite a qualifier. (laughs) 
Yeah, well, you know, it's not regal anger. It's not backed up by anything. It's just like, I imagine this person who wrote an algorithm years ago successfully and now gets to press play and not do a whole lot. You know, the, the story of Steamer, actually, relatively speaking, is pretty cool because it like, kind of like came out of like a high school stats class, basically. Um, huh. Yeah, yeah. It's like, well, if, if you're not, I don't know if you guys have ever tried to make your own projections. I assume all of us have been successful the same number of times. Um <laughs> Yeah, there's a, a lot of the old stuff on like how to do it. I think Tom Tango has published and stuff like how to make Marcel the monkey mm, projection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like the, the simplest version. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like Steamer is like more competent than that. But like you can only really get so competent without getting a lot of data that most people who are not Jake Seeley don't have. Um, love that. Um, <laughs> um, so, you know, you know that there's going to be places where it's going to break. And I want to start thinking about which guys, because the projections are going to break because they've done some things in real life that are unsustainable, are going to end up stirring some conversation. Mm. Because ultimately, it's, you know, if you're someone like me who, like, has at least half a finger on, like, where guys might land uh, based off of, like, other people's feelings or who might be good, if you go in and you're like, okay, the projections for wrc plus that's what i started started for first have um let's see bregman was really high i need to find him again uh hmm maybe they dropped him maybe i hit something wrong yeah i remember bregman being a lot higher than they expected um and i'm gonna be less mad now because i can't find him um, <laughs> oh no no there he is he's higher he's at 139 and i'm like there that's not happening there uh, so so steamer projects him over um 643 plate appearances to hit 27 home runs, uh, score 90 runs, 90 RBI, walk 90 times, and strike out 84 times. That would give him a 270 average, a 379 OBP, a 139 WRC plus. He was like in the, the 120 or lower range last year, and five wins above replacement. I do not see that happening, period. I have not an Alex Bregman believer, and I am very mildly mad. <laughs> that, like there's something yeah. that's gonna happen and i got a nice laugh and i'm gonna dra- i wouldn't so, draft him in, inside the top 75 and like it's fun though it's like i get to be mad uh because that's the, the fun about thing about this is you get to be sniped and you get to be wrong and, and i want to i want to stimulate where, where do you think so, that's what their I'm projections for. are off that they're getting that result that you think is so wildly inaccurate okay and this is actually, I think, one of the important things about Steamer is because they don't have all the access to like the fun under the hood stuff, they don't have as much reason to believe as the Bat X inevitably will, because it does know how Alex Bregman has hit his home runs historically, is that he's been one of the guys who gets hurt most by the ball being a little bit dejuiced, and he was also just historically lucky in 2018 and 19, like over the course of two years, and just like sustainably, air quotes, pulling the ball right down the right field li- or left field line and not hitting foul balls and instead hitting a bunch of home runs without a whole lot of power. He does not hit the ball hard. He hits it kind of hard really often, but he does not hit the ball really hard very often. So he's the sort of guy with a little bit farther back fences or, you know, a little bit less flight on the ball is going to suffer. And so he did. He had very not good year this year. He had a wrist surgery. I actually think, you know, maybe there's some upside, but like he had not very good 2020 as well. And it seems reasonable to believe that the results are not lying to us over the past couple of years and that he did not deserve to hit 40 home runs. So 27, I guess actually isn't egregious, but like, I think, I think the floor to for him to be in the teens again next year is really real. 
And I don't know what he's going to do to get himself near 140 WRC plus when he was, again, below 120 last year. So he's the sort of guy where it's going to be really interesting to see where other people place him because he is kind of a curious case. You know, he's not nearly as interesting projection wise as someone like Bryce Harper, Jose Ramirez, you know, guys who are routinely really good. You got to find the guys you're ready to be angry about. So, well, he's one of on, on the topic of players and we can stick with, uh, with justification being steamer projection projections, or we could go off of that. Chris, who, who are some of your guys going into 2022? Uh, we heard earlier that you're already doing some drafting. Um, who, who are the, the, the guys on your radar? Who are the guys that you think are, are going to be values? Who are the, the, I need to have this guy on my team, regardless of, of where I have to pick them. What are your, uh, your thoughts on, on players going into 2022? Just like maybe a couple other thoughts on Steamer, just that Alexander brought up that we could you could also look at. It just once again going back to what I don't trust about it, like Josh Donaldson with 599 projected plate appearances. Yeah. <laughs> God <laughs> bless if that happens. I would be so happy for him. And, and, and Chris Sale, you know, they have him for the amount of innings pitched. I think he hasn't pitched since 2017. You know, he's four, it's four years, five years ago. So that's another example. Um, some guys that are the the two a couple players that I would also look at um, and, and the types of players you can look at, like for whatever reason, steamers decided Julio Rodriguez is not going to play basically in 2022. Uh, so I think he will um, at some point. And so just look out for people who they don't have any history on or for people where there's to Alexander's point earlier, you know, some different things. So like Marcus Stroman, for example, we talked about him earlier. He, they just don't have him in 2020. There's nothing because he didn't pitch. Uh-huh. I'm, my belief is given what they projected for him, that that's somehow viewed as a negative in the formula. Um, and uh, it's just, it maybe, maybe not either way. I think he's going to great outperform um, uh, what he did, uh, what, what they have him for. So look for people that have something a little bit, um, I think funky in their history that a, a, you know, an algorithm can't pick up. I mean, there's a lot of players, but pivoting to players that I like, I like, I mean, there's a lot of different type of players from different ranges to give you, a couple maybe that were are not near the top. Um, I like Brandon Crawford. I think he's old Dansby Swanson. Um, and <laughs> like the Giants, he's in, still an elite defender. Once again, getting back to plate appearances, the Giants, even though they're turning into the National League Rays, are going to play him almost every day because he's so good at shortstop and they don't mind burning him out because they've got him on a two-year contract. They've obviously invested in him. So uh, he, I think is just, a, and he's still going, there's no respect on that man's name in the, mm. in the fantasy world. I will tell you from early drafts. So that's one. Um, Seth beer is another guy that like once, I don't know why steamer doesn't think that he's going to be a full-time player. I don't know who they're playing in Arizona, but he showed he could hit. He got hurt. Assuming he's healthy going into the next year. I think he's going to be a really cheap source of, uh, of, 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 of power and maybe even not you know won't hurt you in batting average 80 grade um, baseball and, name too exactly yeah. <laughs> exactly i actually think the name works against it really I think people are like oh ha like seth beard it's like no like i'm a really good hitter yeah. it's not just a cool last name i feel bad for the guy even jake Berger, you know they, they're never going to be taken seriously 
Okay, so I have a fun, like, I did some numbers back-to-back as you said this. The steamer projects Julio Rodriguez to have a 117 WRC plus in his one plate appearance next year, which is one good for second highest in the team. <laughs> you know, it's like they gave you the rate stats, but they only like, nobody's not going to play. But they project him based off of what they've got from, like, the minors, and they can love some guys in the minors to be the second best hitter by WRC plus. Seth Beer, third best on the team at 107 for him, but 117 for Julio Rodriguez. Um, so, you know, they do at least give us those rate stats. We talked about that earlier, like we're willing to trust them that they love someone in the minors. They love someone in the minors. Do you remember remember a couple years ago when they were like, um, Eloy's going to hit like three (laughs) 30. Well, I mean, Todd Zola famously said, even, you know, he does his own projections at master ball, which are excellent. And he said, Vlad broke my machine. Yeah. Yeah, Oh Yeah. And and some of these people deserve to break machines. And you just say it out loud. You're like, I don't trust this, but boy, do I wish it was real. And there's some real gems of those sorts of things that are hiding in here. You know, if you just sort by WRC plus for the entire league, like they don't get people, let people get that high. But man, they love Wander Franco, and they do not think he's gonna hit that many home runs. And they're like, still like, just just give him ten triples, and he's yeah. great. <laughs> uh, so I'm I'm really curious to see that lands. Um, in terms of fantasy value for him. Uh, Monk shortstop. Yeah, they've got him. It's the fifth most valuable shortstop um, with the plate appearance caveats and stuff. Like their their projections love him, which is interesting to me. Um, so yeah, they've also got Bobby Witt uh, coming in as like the tenth most valuable shortstop. They have him uh, like thirteen dollars for Witt. That comes ahead of Corey Seager and Carlos Correa, mm. just two notable names <laughs> that might be important for different reasons next year. Uh, so, you know, they love someone, they love someone, and they are very bullish on a lot of guys who just balled out in the minors last year. And I I really do think there's something to what you're saying about, like, the people who missed last year. And a couple of guys benefited because like, Alec Manoa seemed like he really benefited. But, like, a lot of people didn't. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm really curious. Like, there must have been some teams that, like, no, like, these guys need some time. And it's going to work. Yeah. We're going to get the last little bit of service time we can steal before the CBA negotiations take that from us. And then we're going to ride that wave. And I, I feel like next year is going to be just an incredible year for rookies. I'm hoping because there's less reason for, to screw with their numbers in terms of plate appearances. But also just because I think actual instruction has been good for them. So, yeah. Up. Yeah. And I, and I think that's something, you know, baseball players are players of habit and, you know, getting back into the rhythm of doing things. And I mean, it's funny. Sometimes I say, oh, well, of course, the the players, the major league baseball teams, of course, they took great care and made sure all their players got incredible coaching. And then I remember that they feed them bologna sandwiches and make them like sleep on strangers beds yeah. and don't pay them a living wage. And I'm like, so no, that probably didn't <laughs> happen across the board in 2020. And there was probably a lot of um, a lot of that, uh, a lot of, you know, uh, inequities, if you will, within within the minors. Um, Matt, just going back to the, my breakout player that I like a lot is Verdugo. Mm. I more, more the eye test, the numbers, the numbers are fine. I just, he just, the way he plays baseball, it feels like he's just in and he's a great spot. And then I'd say the most underrated superstar in the game is Xander Bogarts who paid, played a lot of the year through a wrist injury mm. and look at what he was go back and look at what he's doing in the before that wrist injury. And he was like, more, you know, doing everything excellently. And so in terms of hitters, he's somebody that I think is you can get in the third round and a lot of 15 teamers. And that, I will do that all day. every day. Yeah. Um, How about some arms? Alex, I'm sorry. No, yeah, go uh, ahead. I, yeah, yeah, no, no, I was going to, I was just going to say, um, I was 
in interrupting. Alexander brought up rookies, and one of my favorite rookie arms that I'll be keeping my eye on, and I hope he breaks out of camp, is Nick Lodolo mm-hmm. in Cincinnati. Um, they've had a, you know, I think they've. Hopefully they don't have Eugenio Suarez at shortstop anymore. Um, <laughs> oh, I, God. Like, guarantee, you know, you are not allowed to. So the Reds, the Reds staff saying to their pitchers, you are you will not have a whip under 1.25 because um, <laughs> all the yeah. balls will go through. But um, yeah. the, he's definitely um, someone that, uh, that uh, I think from a rookie perspective, and going back to our favorite stats, go look at how unlucky Aaron Nola was. It's ridiculous. It's comical. Oh yeah, yeah. he's the most you know, obvious uh, positive regression candidate out there. I I think I saw two different people, Sarah Langs, and I'm gonna rack my brain here and forget who the second person was. Uh, were tweeted out like the people who had like you know Sierra under four, and then like you know like an ERA, like a, a full run higher than that, or some combination of numbers like that. And it was him, and it was Erod, and someone else that i should be recalling but you know if we're talking about the people who are like the obvious duh like regression candidates you know it's funny to see this time of year it's like everyone's like yep i got this one on deck it is in my drafts can't wait to tweet this out for when someone gets flipped and you know the erod actually being signed today without well, some great passiveness <laughs> erod signing a five-year 77 million dollar contract bless him it's just a great opportunity for us all Do you want to, to tell like, everybody where get the ball rolling Do you want to mention where just in case people haven't heard by the time this airs on friday he is going to go play for the detroit tigers in comerica that is Park. correct in front of potentially Carlos Correa and titching to Tucker Barnhart. Is that what you wanted to right It is because you said titching and that's funny. <laughs> <Okay>. God. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm really excited. You know, we have all our guys now. We got a little bit of data to talk about them. It's so fun now to, for everyone to just like start firing off all these takes and just like all of like the ranks that we thought, you know, like nobody else is going to be picking him. Nick Pollock like yelled at me for taking Erod around pick 200. Um, like he's going to go before 150 now. Like it's, oh. it's going to happen. Um, oh, very sure. And oh, I, I have no doubt. Like, and I believe it. Uh, his he was in like he had like a three six three like projected ERA under the model I'm working on, uh, just like, you know, I don't know if Detroit's defense will actually be league average, but that park's gonna help him. I don't know if you guys know this. Boston was thirtieth in outs above average like Statcast uh, defense. Like it was terrible yeah. last year. May- maybe you are aware of that in some bit. sort of like in yes. your heart level <laughs> as a Boston fan, Matt. Um, you man, you move yeah, from the, he moves from the AL East to the AL Central as yeah. well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And and I mean, not that the, I mean, the White Sox are still there, but I'm sorry, Kansas City and Cleveland, the Guardians are not scaring us right now. Yeah, there are no Orioles. Well, and and Erod also last year. I mean, he came off of of one of the worst bouts of COVID that you can have. Um, you got the myocarditis, and you know, you, you had, there's no way to know exactly how much that impacted and affected him before he got sick uh, in 2020. He was very very good. Um, so I think that there's a lot of uh, positive on the horizon for him, and I, I'm I'm happy for him. I'm I'm not happy that it's going to be in Detroit instead of Boston, um, but uh, I think he's got a lot of uh, potential there. And and I mean to go out and get him that quick and and sign him to a deal, um, that obviously they see something in him as well. Um, let's uh let's just put some final thoughts here because there is a segment I want to get to our pass fail segment. So Alexander, last words on on all of this the the 2022 season steamer projections, what players you love, that sort of thing. And then Chris, uh, we'll turn it over to you too. 
Yeah, the, the little bit I want to point out there, the name I had forgotten the other player was Andrew Heaney, mm. um, yes. who also just signed for the Dodgers. And there's some talk um, that part of the reason someone like him might want to sign early is that if you know you need to change a couple things, getting a little bit extra time with um, your team early on is a significant bonus. And here we are 15 days now. And when this comes out, we'll be fewer than that uh, days away from the CBA expiring. And who knows how much instruction he is going to get from the Dodgers this offseason. But like that is definitely, I think, something at play. If you're Heaney, if you're Erod, you want to get the money you can get guaranteed, but also you want to get some work with your new catcher, with your new pitching coach in. Um, so there are a lot of reasons like that that projections fail because people make choices differently because circumstances beyond just like the, you know, park factor sort of stuff because real life things change Sure, and we're not going to be able to bake those in. There is no way to ever be perfect. There is going to be error. And I think it's our job, not just to look at these and be like, here's how this is different than the ESPN ranks. (laughs) It's our job to look at these sorts of things and be like, this guy I am betting is going to be better because he's in a better place. And boy, I really wish talking about guys in the minors, we just had 30 minor league systems where people had great working conditions and living conditions and sleeping conditions and food because you know, you wonder how many of these guys are just going to get better because suddenly for the first time in their lives, they've got it great. And I am cheering for so many guys to just have it great yeah. going into 22 because, um, you know, it's been stressful the past couple of years for a whole lot of people. I'm sure a lot of people have lost family members to COVID. I'm sure a lot of people have had great uncertainty about whether or not there's going to be minor league attendance enough to get them paid. And I just want so many dudes to just ball out because <laughs> I want hope. And this is this is fun and we should we should use it where we reasonably can to be helpful. That's a perfect segue into our last segment, but we're going to put that on hold for a moment though, because Chris, I do want to give you an opportunity to talk about any, anybody that you still, you know, kind of have thoughts on uh, looking forward to 2022 and then we'll head off to our, our pass fail segment. Well, I would just say I'm going to, I'm going to do both at the same time because Luis Garcia's hair gives me joy. (laughs) And uh, it's just 80 grade wetness, 80 grade, you know, flow. It's Man, got I love Luis Garcia. <laughs> and and he made some he made some palpable changes to 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 his pitching mix and and I think to the actual pitches he threw. And um, so he's one of the people, it's also he's got an amazing little mustache um <laughs> combined with like, you know, a mullet um that's wet all the time. And so I just think that um those are the types of things that I love what he does uh, for my fantasy team, but I just love watching that. Like there's, it's, it's, it's more entertaining to me than any, you know, it's, it's arts is what it is, <laughs> it's a, you know, but it's, but it's somehow real life. So that's the type of, uh, those are the type of like joyful discoveries. Like before 2021, I had no idea what Luis Garcia looked like, what his hair was, whether he had a cute mustache or not, nothing. Yeah. And now like, I know that in like 15 years, I'm going to look at his baseball card and be like, Oh man, that guy was amazing. <laughs> and, uh, It'll be, and it won't be his whip necessarily that I remember, but it'll be watching him on the mound, glaring down. I also, by the way, do think, sorry, Houston fans, he, he definitely touches that mullet a lot. And I think there might be something going on there, but um, I, I love watching him pitch. I think he's going to be great uh, in 2022 and uh, not only for my fantasy team, but for the pure beauty uh, that is watching baseball. And, and- yeah. What, Go ahead, Alexander. I have a terrible, terrible stat to bring up here just to ruin the conversation. Um, I found out uh, during one of his 
excellent since this postseason that he's like somewhere around the 90th percentile in like CSW on a pure PA basis, just the change I'm going to yell at um, Nick to make um, when he's pitching with nobody on base. So like yeah. true top line ace, nobody on base when he gets to rock the baby. And then when you compare him to other pitchers pitching out of the stretch, you know, like with runners on base, he is like 50th percentile, like pretty average. So we got to figure out a way for him to be really good when he has runners on base and he's pitching out of the stretch Um, or for him to just rock the baby as fast as he can. (laughs) Maybe then nobody will ever be on base and he won't have to worry about the stretch. He he is absolutely a guy who I think is going to live on beautifully in like GIF form in the future. (laughs) Sure. Um, All right. Let's let's head to our last segment and we don't have to make it super long. Uh, but we are obviously staring at the very end of the current CBA, and that could very well and likely will mean some sort of uh, lockout headed into the 2022 season. So, um, you know, personally, I'll, I'll kind of just preface this with where I'm, my head's at, and then I want to get both of your takes. Um, as a fan of baseball, I want baseball. Um, as a as a f- supporter of the players, uh, I I kind of want the lockout to help them get a better CBA. Um, and I'm torn between those two, two sides of me that I, you know, I want to be able to prep for my drafts. I want to be excited about baseball coming back on time. Um, but I, I, I really also, again, I want to see the players kind of get their due and, and work some things into their, their CBA that are, are more beneficial, especially if they can do something about the, like you were mentioning before the minor league uh, situation. Uh, so I just wanted to get your takes on, uh, you know, is this going to be a good thing or a bad thing for baseball? How long you think it's going to last? What what the outcome is going to be? Is it going to be favorable for owners or players? What are your thoughts? Uh, Chris, I'll start with you. Thoughts on, on this potential lockout for 2022. Mm, well, I think, um, and I share a lot of what, what you said in terms of uh, really wanted to see the players do better. I mean, it, the the owners are so brilliant and part of this is because we're always like how do the owners always get their message out and i'm like oh yeah they own the <laughs> yeah right <laughs> um, you know, that, it helps when you own all the media and the media and and every media market is um you know tied in with a multi-billion dollar contract with the ownership mm-hmm. so that's why they have a harder time the players have a harder time so whenever people are like trying to give tony clark a hard time i'm always like all right you know try doing what he does first yeah. for a while um, and I think that the uh, my hope is that the owners, um, their never ending greed will uh, lead them to the conclusion that they should not have uh, any kind of interruption in actual gameplay, because I do think that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm very low level. I'm not a, a Rob Manfred's biggest fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he just he does the, the bidding of most of the owners and they are um, just, you know, corporate overlords at the, at these days, they're not, um, you know, not that, not that like the rich guys of the early 20th century were stand up. <laughs> yeah. Right. Clear. right. The robber <laughs> barons. Not glorify, <laughs> not glorify robber barons yeah. <laughs> too much, but, you know, but, uh, but pre-integration, especially, um, but, um, but the, 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 these are corporations that are trying to maximize profits and the Cincinnati red statement uh, of, you know, the earth's offices, we need to align our expectations with our resources. It was like something out of like, you know, George Orwell or something to Laura's Umbridge would say in the Harry Potter series, <laughs> not, not what you want the, you know, the, the, the leadership of your favorite team that you're rooting for to say. Sure. So I think, I, I, but I do, I am cautiously optimistic. Do I think it'll get done in three weeks? No, I think that, and maybe I'm ignorant and just being altru- you know, trying to 
dream of what's going to happen here. But the fact that these contracts have happened gives me hope. Mm. Like I've been surprised these, I'm, I was shocked when I saw Erod's contract. I mean, I thought it was a reasonable contract and there've been a couple other contracts where you're like, wait a minute, that, okay. Like seems a little high, not high, like what they deserve, but high for what I would think. Yeah, the owners right. would want to get Like, so for me, I've seen those as kind of good signs and hopefully we'll get there. I think the ownership um, will try to uh, milk whatever they can out of the players and, in the end, the players will likely still get a raw deal, but it'll still be the one of the best deals that exists in professional sports because their union is an actual union that stands up. So, um, you know, I, I guess I, I put my, if you wanted to put a number on it, I'd say, I think is 65, 35. We have a full season of baseball. I'd say 90% chance we don't get this uh, a contract though, until the, like probably the, the new year. Mm-hmm. Okay. Somewhere around the holidays. That sounds about right to me. Yeah, I think the 35, though, is like most of those 35 is like there's not going to be baseball until like June. Um, I don't think there's many situations where we just missed a couple weeks of April, Um, which is like not great. But I think the fact that so many of us who are kind of mostly aware are in a good headspace about it is good. What surprises me is when I talk to this or talk about this with like people who are not like part of like the baseball labor Twitter part of, of like the discourse that I like to be a part of. Like I, I was at a wedding this weekend and I was just like chatting with some friends and they're like, Oh yeah, no, like minor league housing is just disgusting. And that needs to get fixed like as soon as possible. I hate the owners of these teams. And these are like, to be clear, a couple friends of mine who are from Houston and Houston has been relatively ahead of the curve relatively in terms of like instituting housing and seemingly has been doing a lot of the things that would help you develop players, which I would hope involve maybe some little better working and living conditions. And, you know, like they don't all love a lot of the cheating accusations, but they can say they appreciate their team seems like they want to spend money and treat their like prospects well. And they're still like just livid about how all that works. I have to assume that means that just the slightly more than casual baseball fan is pretty well aware of where this is all at. And we have to give a whole lot of credit to a whole lot of players who don't have any stake in where like 19 to 22 year old kids are at, you know, like Andrew McCutcheon, I believe was like wearing one of like the um, wristbands that um, advocates for minor leaguers is like putting out. And, uh, you know, it's, it's definitely seems like we're in a place where the, consumer consciousness of like what's going on is pretty high and i I think we have to give a lot of credit to people like back scherzer who is like one of the heads of like like the player reps for the union who seem like he's doing a really good job of getting the players on board with what looks like like it's going to be kind of nasty um and that means that you know if there are people that we look to and trust who are going to say things like we have to do better not just for people like me but for everyone else that would be a great look that i think a lot of people would be able to buy into you know like who who are they going to trust max scherzer who will literally do anything to try to win uh it seems or you know (laughs) the dolan family (laughs) like i i don't think the public is very likely to see a potential like work stoppage as the player's fault and i think that has like that that being on the wall being very obvious to a whole lot of people it seems like it's really important i'm really curious and this is like the the dream of mine like whether or not the players can get some infighting among the owners because like if you're the yankees like you do not have common cause with the Cincinnati reds right now you want to be able to be 
the luxury tax less to spend $300 million this offseason and alleviate the pressure from your fan base. If you're the Dodgers, you want to keep it going after you were $50 million over the tax line. You know, if you're Detroit, you know, like, maybe they're one of the few who are like, no, you know, make sure the big boys aren't spending so much so we can get Korea and get like a hundred and something million dollar payroll but not be up there. Maybe Texas is in a similar place. But it seems like a lot of the on the come up teams would probably be okay with a situation where um, we're not doing anything to help out the Rays and maybe the Giants who are gaming the low payroll system really well. So I want to see how well Scherzer and Co. can kind of like put some enemies against each other that are donors and not just themselves against the owners. I think what you bring up about Scherzer is a great point. And it's like, and it, although it's, you know, you look at the history of baseball negotiations and people that did that, you know, people like Kurt Flood played with their careers. Right. And even mm-hmm. like people who were like Don Drysdale was, you know, very much accused of, you know, being selfish. I just, I hope we as fans have gotten more, um, I hope you're right. I hope we as fans have gotten more savvy about understanding that we're being manipulated by uh, corporate multi-billionaire national corporations with media machines. Um, But I do think that if the owner, to your point, Alexander, the owners have always used the player like the wealth superstar players, they're always taken care of and the other ones are not as a dividing point in the union. And I wonder if there's an opportunity for some of the smarter players and more vocal and eloquent players to step up and really kind of drive a similar wedge between ownership that's a fair point it's not just scherzer who are like in that like who have moved into that tier of like upper player uh, representation that seemed like they've got a lot going on lindor is in that uh and you i guarantee you (laughs) francisco lindor has um not a whole lot of positive feelings to the way that that sort of system and a lot of the sell everybody will be bad on purpose system that we're enabling or they're enabling. I, I'm not. I'm not a part of it. Uh, you know, <laughs> like all the problems for like the aesthetic part of baseball. You, you want to say like, no, like, don't give your local team any opportunity to be crap. Make them be good because the most fun thing about this is going to the ballpark and watching your team be good. I'm excited today because the Detroit Tigers signed a baseball player that will help them win baseball player games next season. So their fans can show up and watch Miggy. You know, hit a couple more home runs in a competitive game. And that is baseball that is beautiful, regardless of whether or not they win the AL Central. They should be wanting people to show up. And every little thing that makes that more fun is good. Um, there are There's not just one team that has a good season, potentially. It is many more than that. So I, I hope that guys like Lindor and like Scherzer and like the rest of the crop of people who have, are doing the work to make sure people care about the right things, you know, don't just win out for themselves, but win out for like people like whoever the next Wander Franco is, but also a lot of other guys who are not going to succeed anywhere near his level who yeah. still deserve. Well, to I mean, the so. majority of players are not going to be superstars, right? So uh, if you're trying to have some sort of collectively bargained agreement that is good for everybody, then you have to figure out how you can have a system that that pays the talent at the top, but also is taking care of the people that are never going to be. Uh, the Mike Trouts uh, and the Bryce Harpers of of the world. Um, And with that, it does bring us to the end of this episode. Uh, We've been talking baseball for a long time here. I'm sorry to have to say goodbye, Chris. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, If you could just remind everybody where they can find uh, your work. Uh, Most of the the stuff that you were talking about before is is through your Twitter account, but you do have the website. Plug your stuff. Yeah, just at Baseball Pods. You can find me on Twitter. Um, And then 
uh, on the World Wide Web. It is uh, baseball-pods.com. Got to make sure that the .com <laughs> is there for my, my friend Rob Silver. He always wants to make sure there's a .com at the end of it. But yeah, baseball-pods.com. And that's where uh, um, you'll find um, some fantasy an- an- analysis and also some podcast stuff. But And then um, I have a top 500 dynasty list that should be updated soon that uh, I do dynasties, like probably my favorite format period. Um, so I take it really seriously and play in a lot of leagues and uh, those rankings are there for anyone to, to, to check out. Well, I have to apologize that I did not know that you had that, but it will be one of my first stops. Absolutely. Um, thank Do it in like a week when they're yeah, updated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, I'll wait for the, I'll wait for the tweets to come out that they're, they're good to go. Um, again, thank you so much for being a part of this, Alexander, all the people know where they can find Chris. Uh, could you go ahead and let them know where they could find us? Well, they can find you on Twitter at the corked mat. I'm on Twitter at chase underscore rate. And most importantly, you can find our podcast on Twitter at dugout study hall, where you can send us some questions. Please be sure to subscribe to the Pitcherless podcast feed. If you haven't done that already, leave us a good review. If you can be so kind. And if you're not already, please consider becoming a PL Plus member so that you can harass us on the PL Discord. And that's it for me. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll catch you next time.